from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Four o'clock hour. We hand it off to NFL football, Thursday night football. Saints, Cowboys, no Kamara. Taysom Hill, starting quarterback, offensive line woes for the Saints. Cowboys, Saints. Cowboys now up to six and a half. Any sevens out there? Any sevens out there? I'm looking now. Six and a half here at William Hill. Looks like it's all uh, six and a halves. All six and a half. Across the There's board. There's a couple of sixes here and there, but mainly six and a half. All right. And, and you're, on, was, you're was, on the Cowboys? I am on the Cowboys. Four and a half earlier. Um, and then the announcement came out that it was official. Kamara, a couple offensive linemen out. It jumped to six. Now six and a half. Dallas is in a must win. They're going to get their receivers back. I, I I say this. I don't know. I I get it. Coordinators are gone. McCarthy's not there. But I mean, we've been dealing with this for two seasons now. A season and a half, whatever. A season in twelve weeks. And I think that this is a team that's a well-oiled machine. It's not like it's distraught. I mean, yes, it, it just lost to the Raiders, but you know they know what they're doing. They're going to go out there and they're going to perform. They're going to play, you know. Um, they're also getting Lawrence back on the defensive side. He hasn't been in the game. And one person can't change things. And that's why Micah Parsons, who was just named Defensive Rookie of the Month, you know, he hasn't been able to do it by himself. Why has the Raiders – why have the Raiders been so consistent defensively? Because Max Crosby has Yannick Ngakwe. So Parsons is getting a component back on defense. The offense is getting some receivers, but I just think this is, you know. Another teaser for you, Steve. Another t- winning teaser. I just keep giving you winning teasers, teasers of the year. <laughs> Last Thursday I gave you a winner. Told you how to middle it with Seattle and Washington on Monday. Sure enough, that came in. So Dallas, six-point teaser. Just got to win the game. Then you just got to figure out who you're going to tease it to. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Four, number five. I'm going to say it once. It's an important declaration. Major League Baseball, the owners are locking out their employees. However long it takes to deliver the story now will be the last time this show talks about Major League Baseball until they are back. I'm not going to follow the story and hem and haw and play sides. We're not going to go and follow the ups and downs of the whole thing. It ain't happening on this show. And I think every sports talk radio show in the country, and I think every TV talking head show in the country should follow suit. So we knew this was coming. Odd, though, that they're having a big money dispute in baseball after the teams were just handing out hundreds of millions of dollars. Seems kind of weird if the sport's in trouble, if the owners are in trouble. But, Willie, they've locked them out. So, here we go. It hasn't happened since 1995. That's it. Willie Willie followed. He's not going to say anything. (laughs) Boycotting. You know, I was listening to the boys this morning, our morning show, and Tyler was quick to point out, did you notice that Major League Baseball went on removed every story with current baseball players every picture mugshot it's funny it's real funny childish yep childish i mean it's yep. you know, and, that, and that's that's what we're going to stoop to in this and there's going to be stories planted all over the place about 
how the players are this and how they're small markets. There are no small markets. That's a bunch of crap. We just because you know, the small markets change. I mean, there there are some that stay around forever. Tampa and Oakland, and I guess Kansas City. I don't believe Kansas City is really a small market. I believe every team in baseball can spend a minimum of $150 million on their payroll. There's a couple that are struggling. They need new stadiums or they need to move to a new location. But baseball is, frankly, healthier than it's ever been. Yep. And if you go over history over the last 20 years, Willie, small market means something different every five years. Anaheim, at one point, Anaheim was getting money because it was a small market. Philadelphia got money Stature. in the past. This is such crap I've been through this so many times, Willie. Yep. I'm not doing it again. And honestly, you know, it affects a lot of people at stadiums and in organizations. There's a lot of little people who work around baseball who get money. So I don't want to see it shut down for them. But if they didn't play baseball next year, I think most of America would yawn. I, I, I think most of America would move on. We, we just went through part of a summer into a fall where we had no sports. None. We all survived, didn't we? Baseball has some, the owners, have some giant, giant ones if they think that fans are going to freaking rise up and call for the sport to return. Most people are not going to care and we'll move on. Um, let's, let's, I, I want to just say one thing because you talk about sports markets and small markets and this and you touched on Kansas City. Uh, ask your friend uh, and a friend of the show, Petro. Because when you say sports market, you're talking about the city. You're not just talking about the Kansas City Royals. How about on a big Monday in January? Let's go to, uh, you know, that entire region with college basketball. Let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Royals were, what are we, five, six years removed from them being in the World Series, back-to-back -back years winning a World Series title. I was at that stadium the year that they won the um, the World Series for the divisional playoffs, the year that they uh, they clinched, actually. I think it was they played the Angels. That, on any given year, in any given these quote-unquote small markets, air quotes, it, it's, it's stature of the city. That is a sports town. These are sports towns. This is a like you said, and the fans aren't going to miss. They're, they're, they won't even blink. It, I mean, or they'll, it'll just it'll just go by the wayside. I don't think you know. And I'm hearing different all day today, listening to sports talk. One per yeah, well, they're con really concerned about this. This that, that, that there's going to miss time. Others are like, there's no way they're going to miss. So I'm not listening to anybody. Not only are we not talking about it, I'm also not going to listen to anybody's opinion because. It's on both sides. The experts that cover it on the national level, whoever it may be from the network, you know, the major networks, everybody's got a differing opinion. And the bottom line is, is this. After what they went through last year, you touched on it, the pandemic, and lost out on, you really think that, they, my opinion is, you really think they're going to go through an entire season and lose more revenue? Second time in three years? I don't think so. It's the Big Five at Four. Brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. 570-9000. Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Four. Number five. Number four. Yeah, number four, Ari, because, you know, Steve, by the way, Willie Ramirez, down at Silver Sevens on Flamingo in Paradise for our Thursday night football promotion. 
Big things happening down here. Big things. Happy hour has started. Normally, the Thursday night football specials begin the 77 cent beers, um, bottles of Bud, Bud Light, Michelob Ultra, shots, hot dogs. But they announced at the beginning of the show that they are doing it during the show and during the game. So get down here. Mateo's here. Cofield is so upset with the number five of the big five, Ari, that he he had to take a walk. He took a lap. I'm not even kidding. He was He's flustered. He's very upset with Major League Baseball. But we are definitely here. We have prizes to give away. Going to be giving away during the game. Um, T-shirts, tickets, all kinds of things. Good stuff. Plus, brand new bar, grand opening. You got the William Hill Sportsbook. You can make your bets on the Thursday Night Football. You can make your bets on the Pac-12 Championship, which is tomorrow night at the Al. Raiders and football team. Lots of action going on. So get down here to Silver 7s. But Ari, um, so we are moving on to number four. You know what happened? Number four. Couldn't help myself. There you go. Uh, So the Golden Knights went to Anaheim. Right by the happiest place on earth, but it wasn't too happy. wasn't a happy finish for the Golden Knights. wasn't a happy ending, if you will. Um, the Golden Knights lose to the Anaheim Ducks, who have been quite the surprise in the Western Conference, six to five. And it was a, a game where the Ducks bolted out. They scored four goals in like a twelve-minute span, the most goals that the Golden Knights allowed in one period, and they fight back. And Anaheim ends up pulling out a 6-5 to five win. And it was quite a statement because, you know, this is a team that the Golden Knights have normally owned. 18-3 um, and three overall against the Ducks. 9-1 and one in Anaheim. But Anaheim, uh, they handed it to them. Anaheim 13-8-3 on the season. The Knights are 12-10. and 10. They still got one more on the road before they return home. Now, they're going to be home Sunday, so it's a double dip, actually. They have uh, – they play – so the Raiders play at 1 o'clock hosting the Washington football team, and then that night the Golden Knights got a tough one against the Flames, who have been battling with Edmonton atop the Pacific Division. So interesting little run here, a little stretch for the Golden Knights. But, you know, they've been battling their injuries. They've been battling the COVID issues here. They're not not too many, but, you know, here and there some spot. But it's more about the injuries to the forwards, some key defensemen. Um, and as they get healthier, I expect them to be more competitive. Um, as we mentioned earlier in the show, the return of Jack – well, not the return, um, the appearance of Jack Eichel on the ice practicing skating, a video surfaced. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be intriguing as this continues. And if there's one thing the Golden Knights they are doing, they've responded from their one and four start this season to play much better. And as players return to the ice, return to the lineup, they will continue to improve. Number three, numero three. Well, our guy Brent Musburger made some comments. Ari. Oh, he uh, he's not happy. It seems that uh, that apparently, in his words, the media goombas, as he put it, paid assassin hmm. took aim at John Gruden. You you saw this, right? I did. Yes. It's- so let's start there. He uh, told JT the brick 
on our Las Vegas Sports Network that uh, he said, as I told Coach, this is his quote, do we, do we have this, Ari? We don't have this. Okay. He said, as I told Coach, whoever took you out, John, that was a paid assassin. That was one of the best hit jobs that I've ever been around. They didn't go to their media goombas. They didn't leak this to Adam Schefter or one of those guys that break stories. They first went to the Wall Street Journal, and when Gruden was still coaching after that, then they dumped the rest of it on the New York Times. That was a professional hit job. So since then, Brent Musburger has been attacked on social media in that he's using derogatory terms. Now, I will tell you this. um, During the pandemic, when work was slow, I started my website or I re sort of reinvigorated my personal website. I was doing themed stories every month. And in January I did ringing in the new year, talking old Vegas and the national, it was always a national story, a local story, and then a personal related story. And I did an old Vegas theme talking about the seventies and eighties and growing up in Las Vegas. And the national story was on Brent said, oh, by the way, Brent said this on Raider Nation Radio. Yes, Raider Nation Radio. Um, Steve Sharippa of the Sopranos and Blue Bloods was my subject for the national story. And, uh, you know, he was a longtime resident here in Las Vegas. He was the entertainment director at the Riviera. Very popular at old clubs like Jubilation and the Brewery, a doorman. So old school Vegans, they know those references. Well, in that story, I entitled, you know, Steve Sharippa, an original Vegas Goomba. So there is an affectionate way to use that phrase um, in which it's, it's actually a complimentary. It can be a complimentary term. In, in that you are a paisan, you know what I mean? You forget about it. Oh, paisan over there. You know what I'm saying? Go by, forget about it. But in the way that Brent phrased it, I get it. I can I can see the connotation and where it was people are taking it out of context. And in a somewhat it's it's you know, people are taking it as if it's a stereotype. Now Brent's been around for a long time. I mean, this dude, I watched him when I was a child, right, on NFL Today. So I get it, and I understand the the context in which he used it in using the phrase paid assassin and hitman and goomba. So they're the Italian-Americans. Um, those that heard that, read that, saw that are not, you know, they're, they're, there are some that are not taking that. They're taking exception to it because there's that connotation again. So I'm not sure where this is going to go, and I'm sure that Brent didn't mean it you know, in the way that he was saying it, I just think that he was trying to be colorful in his words, you know, soprano-ish, good fella-ish, godfather-ish, if you will. What you got? What you got, Ari? I was just going to say, is it is it more of the old school thing or is this not like, like it doesn't matter what time period we're in, you just, you know better than to use that? Like there are a lot of words like that or is this just one, and I hate this argument, but is this yeah. just one of those things where it's like, ah, you know, it's Brent. He's old school. That's how they talk back then. No, I think that it's what you hit on. It's that we are now in a time where you have to you have to understand. I don't think it's how, well, I guess you have to watch what you say because we're in a time where there's always going to be somebody who's going to 
take that out of context but like if you were to go on youtube and google and search don rickles and listen to how he would always talk about frank sinatra to johnny carson and you know like one of the most popular clips on the johnny carson show is where he's telling you know frank he said he shows up he walks out of the curtain while frank's a guest and he sits down and they look at johnny they go oh, excuse us for a second we're going to talk he goes Marco Gonzananzo said to say hi and then he goes into this whole little bit and it's you know and, and he creates his own bit and there's the connotation there so I mean you know now I'm not excusing and I certainly don't believe that there should ever be a you know you take an Italian American context and put it in that wise guy you know way um, but that is just the the vernacular in in the way that it that flows and that's the way that brent took it when he was making his comments on raider nation radio so um i i don't know where this is going to go and i don't know if it's going to go any further i just know that he's he's under fire a little bit on social media for that number two numero dos deshaun jackson um i'm actually writing a story on deshaun for the Associated Press. That'll be out probably overnight. I'll be tweeting that out. So those of you that are following me. Um, we had him today, as I mentioned earlier in the show, he was fantastic. Fantastic in his media availability today. Um, lively. Um, very insightful to a lot of things that he said. But also, you know, he was funny too. He talked about his 35th birthday. Um, the fact that, you know, he used to come to this town to party. And, and now he lives here and it's like, you know, couldn't wait to just kind of, kind of, kind of can't, can't wait to get home, rest, put his feet up. So, um, but what he's been able to do, Ari, over you know, in the first two games, he had 25, he was in, he was in the game for 25 snaps combined his first two games with the Raiders. He was in the game for 42 snaps on Thursday against the Cowboys, had three receptions, one big touchdown that sort of kick things off for this team and, and sort of breathe life into it. But what he does beyond being a target and a big play threat for Derek Carr is he opens things up for the other receivers. He becomes a decoy by being on the field and having to watch him and put somebody on him as a speedster. It opens things up and provides things. Him being in that game allowed Hunter Renfro to catch a season-high eight passes. It allowed Zay Jones to catch a season-high five passes. They both had season-high in receiving yards that day. Josh Jacobs ran for season-high, I believe it was 87 yards. So he does so much more than just catching the ball and providing that target for Derek Carr. What he does is he brings that veteran look to it he can get back to a huddle and say, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what's taking place, blah, 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 you know. And Derek Carr talked about that yesterday in saying, you know, we, before the game, we got together. We said, hey, if, def if Dallas has that defensive look, just look at me. I'll look at you. You know, they share a look. And that's what I think more than anything, you know, when Henry Ruggs was uh, prior to him killing someone in a drunk driving crash, R.I.P. Tina Tintor. Um, I think, you know, what he lacked, even though he provided that big play downfield threat, what he lacked was that veteran experience to be able to sort of look at Derek Carr, share a look, and just, you know, and that's all it takes. He now has that. 
beyond that deep field threat, he has that veteran presence that can provide insight in the huddle or at halftime. And uh, so he he was a great, great, great interview today for the media. Looking forward to seeing what he's doing. And remember, he spent plenty of time in the NFC East, 12 of the 14 years of his career. He was with the Eagles or the uh, the Washington organization. So he takes it personal when he plays Washington because he played for them or when he plays against Philadelphia because there was a team that could have locked him up, could have kept him on board, let him go. And he said that specifically. So he beat up on Dallas, provided some great stuff Thursday. Now, Sunday, we'll see what he does against Washington. Number one. Numero uno. Steve, Steve, you're back. You're not yes. upset anymore. I told him you had to take had to a clear lap it out. to cool down. I had to clear it out. I was getting so pissed off about the baseball owners shutting out our heroes, the players, our hometown heroes, like Bryce Harper, like Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant doesn't have a contract yet. What's he going to do? How about Bryce and Stott? Yes, Bryce and Stott, who's he, on the verge he, of breaking he got through. Up. Yep, on the verge of breaking through, and these guys are locking out employees. Yep, I'm, I'm pro. I am pro labor. Well, welcome back to Ramirez I said and Company. I'm not, I said I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Yeah, it was the uh, Willie takeover. I appreciate you coming back to Ramirez and Company. Um, we are at number one. How was we- the company, by the way? Mateo's great. Oh, okay. <laughs> All we did was talk baseball the whole time we were gone. Oh, we did. Oh, you better not. We did not. I don't even know what that sport is. I don't even know that word we talked about. We talked about uh, Brent. We talked about the Golden Knights. We talked about Deshaun Jackson. Now we're talking a little aggressiveness with Basachi and Carr. Well, let's take a break here. We'll catch up let's on time. That. And on the way back, we got to get to uh, what's going on with Basachia. Uh, he's got the quarterback. He's got the guy who can rip the top off the defense and Deshaun Jackson, maybe not as good as Henry Ruggs. Will he play more aggressive to try to win this job and win a lot of games to make the playoffs? Daily happy hour starts at three with beers, well drinks, and margaritas, just 277. There's some young guys back there kind of learning the ropes a little bit, but I think with him on the field, you can see him communicating after every play, talking to guys, you know, some alerts and things like that. So he's always been that, and I think that's what we appreciate the most is his his instincts. Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Silver 7's at the brand new Bud Light Bar. Grand opening, grand reopening, really. Uh, they had a bar here, but they repackaged it. It's all Bud Light. You got the uh, NFL and hockey logos all over the place. And they got two great bars here at Silver 7's. Got uh, one at the uh, north end of the property, right by the William Hill Racing Sportsbook. By the way, you can bet six and a half is the number right now. Dallas, six and a half against the Saints. And then, uh, on the other end of the property where we do the show every Thursday, Bud Light Bar specials tonight. Well, we should tell you, every NFL game, once the game kicks off, they've got 77-cent bottles, right? You get it? Silver 7s, 77-cent bottles of Bud, Bud Light, and Mick Ultra. Tonight, what they're throwing in, and it's good right now, so if you want to come on in, we got some prizes, we got some T-shirts, we got a big giveaway going on later on. Tonight, not only do they have the 77-cent beers, They've also got 77 cent shots and 77 cent hot dogs as they're celebrating things here. Willie's back in with us. Ramirez and Company. Ramirez and Company. He's taking over the hour. 
if we you, both get up and go, it's Mateo and company. Yeah, you uh, well, at least you sent over perfectly. the numbers on Basachi and not being super aggressive. Yeah. How much did the media push him on that? Well, wait, wait, wait. wait. This I, week? Hold on. Yes. Clarify, the numbers were based off of, it says, fourth down aggressiveness, not just being aggressive. So let's put that, in, to me that's aggressive. That's that's the new aggressive. That's and that's the old problem that the Raiders had with Gruden. Yeah, absolutely, is that they were not aggressive on third and fourth down. Yeah, fourth down is the new third down. Yes, right. Yeah, not really, but really. If you are between the forty fives, just go for it. You should be. If you are if you're between- at the if you're at the opposing forty or thirty seven or thirty five, and you're not playing with fourth down in mind, then you shouldn't be coaching in twenty twenty one. Stop trying to kick 52-yard field goals, 54-yard field goals, 58-yard field goals. Enough. Against all defenses? In all situations? You're saying high ends down? It's not 100%, but 98% of the time, yes. You should be going for it. Listen, if you're if you're in a situation where it's fourth and seven from the 42, mm-hmm. then I want to see what you called on second and third down. I want to see if you Mike McCarthy did. And he's not coaching tonight, but... You watch when the games really, really, really count and they're playing for playoff seating and then in playoff games, you watch what he does because he is a classic violator of the aggression principle, the 2021 aggression principle. But Satya has most certainly fallen. Um, he's one of the he's, he's in the rankings in the analytic world, one of the worst in terms of coaching decisions on edge sports. And now with aggressiveness on fourth downs, I'm not saying this is not commentary. I'm saying analytics are saying that some of the worst coaching decisions on in specific situations and um, and his fourth down aggressiveness. That's that's what's being yep. reported in these stories. Now, um, let's look at fourth down conversion or, you know, the Las Vegas Raiders ranked 23rd. 46.2%. 13 attempts on fourth down this season. They made it six times. <laughs> 13 okay. attempts. Now, yeah. fourth down attempts, the uh, 13 is tied for 24th in the NFL. Below that, uh, there's one, two, three, four teams that have gone for it 13 times there are three teams that have gone for it 11 times two teams have gone for it twice on fourth down new england and seattle wow new england is four for six 67 percent new england or seattle one for six on fourth down but uh the raiders 13 times they've gone for it on fourth down i'll say belichick under different circumstances in the past because he's got a rookie quarterback but we know Belichick's always been a fourth down guy. But also, how many times? The one thing that I don't have at my fingertips. Right. right how many now times is, are you in the how situation? Many times at that situation. Right. right. How many so, times do you do you turn away an opportunity? Right. Outside of say your own thirty-five. Right. Fourth and three or less. Right. Right. Did because the the real number is did he go for it six times out of a hundred? You know, yeah, or is exactly, it six out of exactly. fourteen? Is it six? Right, exactly. So that's the big deal there. And and for me, uh, I mean, let's talk about the elephant in the room here. Rich Passaccia does not have the job. Uh, the way he gets this job is probably to make the playoffs. And I know it's real easy for us to say, as the armchair quarterback guys, you know, guys on Sports Talk Radio, what do you have to lose? Really, what does he have to lose? Rich Passaccia. He is going to get a special teams job somewhere 
I'm guessing that Mark Davis will push, if he does have a new coach and GM, for Basaccio to be on that staff. It's not a guarantee because coaches want their own guys, but he's got the backing of the Raiders, I'm sure, and his rep is so good he's going to get a job somewhere else. So is it is it reckless for me to say, go for it, bro? Go for it. I don't think that he's playing for a job. I don't think the playoffs get him the job. I think the playoffs get him an interview for the job, to be honest with you. Regardless, he's going to have – let's just put this out there. I will say this. Rich Passaccia has got to win the AFC. I don't think that's the case. To get the, you're telling me that – so you're just saying he's got to get in the playoffs I, I if he has, gets the job? I think he has a good shot to be strongly, strongly, strongly considered if he makes the playoffs. Okay, so strongly considered means he gets an interview. That doesn't mean he gets the job. Uh, get an interview could be he's the 14th choice. It's almost like, uh, you know, we had to do this for Rich. I just think that – I think – I don't believe what we talked about earlier in the week. I think that Mark Davis has already thought about it. He's just not going to put that out there, and he's going to deny, deny, deny. He's concentrating on the playoffs. But I think he has a list in mind that he would like to pursue. If they make the playoffs, Basachi is included. There, He's going to have to guide this team through a tough AFC, win that conference to get to the Super Bowl in order for so them the, to say he's our coach. The whole point is hit a massive home run the rest of the way to be under real consideration. So we're on the same page. If you keep saying real consideration, that means to get an interview. He said, that's not hitting a home run. Yeah, top just, three choice. Home run to me is winning the conference. Grand Damn. Slam is a Super Bowl. Damn, Willie's tough. He's got to make win the, the playoffs. He's got to, got to win. Got to make the Super Bowl to get the job. Wow. No, so, he, no he's got to win the AFC to get the job. Right. I said go to the Super Bowl, not win go it. Go to the Super Bowl. Yes. Go to yeah, the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, Ari. Let's what? keep those baseball references to a minimum, okay? Hey. Oh, uh, you're right. You know what? Dump that out. In the podcast, bleep that out. Bleep. Anytime we make a baseball reference, did I say home run? Beep. Right? Sorry. Slam Dude. dunk, alley-oop. Don't, hey, do not. This is not a promo for you to record. Okay? Wait, slam dunk, alley-oop. Did he just miss the whole point of Ari's joke? I did got it. I said what. I know exactly oh, you what you're saying. Say so, slam so, dunk. so instead of home running. You got it. Instead of beep, beep, over, beep, 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 it's going to be slam dunk. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Company's eye on sports betting with Brad Powers. All right, let's do it. Brad is up here on this Thursday. What's up, buddy? Hey, thanks for having me on. All right, first of all, we got to pat you on the back. I assume you made lots of future bets, but uh, have you come out a winner? Um, I saw you tweet earlier today. You had a uh, Pac 12 winner, Utah 14 to 1. Well, it's not done yet. Or is it? Actually, is that the Pac-12 title game? Are these all title game bets? Yeah, these are all title games. I got to sweat Hello. all these out. Hello. So you had Utah 14-1, to uh, UTSA 8-1, to Georgia plus 450. Uh, you are hedging, though, right, on some of the bigger ones? No, I'm not hedging at all. So, Look at uh, you. All right. Here we go. Yeah. And what, one big enough. Uh, I mean, if it was more... Yeah. Uh, life-changing, then, then maybe I would. Or even, you know, year-of-end results really swing in a big way, maybe I would. But no, we're going to let it ride. All right, so let's bang out all these games. we got some games tomorrow. Uh, first of all, UTSA got the, I wouldn't call it the uh, the bubble burst because they didn't have a chance to win the championship. But uh, the, the run ends last week in a resounding fashion. Now they've got Western Kentucky, and UTSA is getting three and a half. 
Well, I, I got to be honest with you. I bet Western Kentucky earlier in the week when they were an underdog. I think if, you wanna, if you're laying three and a half now through a key number, I mean, uh, th- that's square. So even though I already bet Western Kentucky earlier in the week, I, I, I can't make a case for them being more than a field goal favorite on the road against UTSA uh, when they were sitting there uh, right, right around a three and a half home home favorite when the, the, the team's met in October, so I'm actually going to, this is one I'd hedge a little bit now that the lines move so much, lean UTSA. Oregon got whooped just a couple weeks ago by Utah. Now it's here in Vegas, Utah-Oregon rematch, and Utah is three. Yeah, I'm going to lean with Oregon here. Uh, I, I expect to see a much different type of game than what we saw a couple weeks ago, obviously. Uh, I think Oregon, whenever you have a team in a rematch situation that was blown out the, the first game, I trust that team to make more adjustments than, than the team that won. Obviously not playing in Salt Lake City, which is one of the more underrated home field advantages in all of college football. I think it's going to benefit the Ducks. I lean with Oregon here. Do you believe that Kyle Whittingham uh, is going to move on after the season? There's been rumors basically from like game three early this year. I saw this that, hey, if he wins the Pac-12, he might retire. I wonder if that's a factor here. And he tells his team before the game, like, you know, do it for Kyle. That is a concern. And speaking of that Oregon-Utah game, I watched him in that uh, when they interviewed him on the field. And I got, just me from watching college football the last 30 years, I got a sense that if Utah wins this game and they go to the Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl will be his last game. Wow. Okay. Something to factor in. So if there's some inside information, keep an eye out for it. Tomorrow, game is here in Vegas in a uh, 5 o'clock start. All right. Baylor-Oklahoma State, another rematch situation. First game was, what, 24-14. Okie State with everything on the line, laying five and a half. Lean Baylor. I, you know, I don't want to lay with everything on the line. Some points here with Oklahoma State. I trust Dave Aranda at Baylor to make some adjustments. He's one of the best X's and O's coaches in the country. Doesn't get credit for that. On top of that, I mean, Oklahoma State's coming off a very emotional win against their rival Oklahoma. I'm not sure you get an A-plus-plus effort out of them, so I'm only with the Bears. All right, Sun Belt. Is this another case where you get a little extra motivation on the other side? Louisiana taking on App State. Billy Napier, you're moving on. What do you do? So I bet App State. Uh, you know, I wasn't 100. When I made that bet and I laid two, I wasn't 100% sure that Napier was going to coach. Obviously, he's going to coach for, for Louisiana here uh, in his final game. I do think they'll play motivated for him. Uh, they've never won a Sun Belt championship game, even though they played in it every single year that Napier's been the coach. Uh, App State obviously is going to be max motivated because they got their doors blown off of them against Louisiana earlier this year. Tough game. I, I can tell you this. I would not lay three now knowing that Napier is going to coach. So, I mean, if I had to right now, just a pizza bet on Louisiana. Pizza bet. Brad Power Sports. Dot com at Brad Powers seven. He doesn't make a lot of pizza bets. That's what he's saying. That's not a really a, a serious bet. He bets good money. puts the tickets out. His information is freaking unrivaled in college football. Cincy, a lot of pressure here. Ten and a half against Houston. I like Cincy. I laid ten. I would even lay ten and a half. Believe it or not, to shop though, because there's still some, a few tens around town. But here's where I think the mispricing is. I mean, I get it. Houston's won eleven straight games. But who in the heck have they played? They haven't played a single team in the top 50 
on my power ratings. I also look at past history. These two teams have met each the last two years. You got the same two starting quarterbacks, same two head coaches, and Cincinnati won both games by 15-plus points. So I don't think much has changed in that regard. And a little hidden home field advantage here. Look at Houston's schedule the last two years. They haven't played in front of a, a sold-out, raucous crowd. I mean, he had COVID last year and this year. Play nobody, so I mean, played in half-empty stadiums. So I think that the Houston offensive line will have some false starts. Man, I don't want to bet against San Diego State, but these numbers keep getting bigger and bigger. They, you know, they win by the skin of their teeth. Although last week's second half against Boise, that was really impressive. Utah State actually uh, has a pretty big yardage edge for the season um, in terms of outgaining opponents. San Diego State is like even yardage with their opponents. So what do we do here? San Diego State's now pushing six and a half. Well, uh, you got to look at matchups and keep in mind, look at the three teams that beat Utah State. Boise State, BYU, and Wyoming. Big and physical at the line of scrimmage, exactly what San Diego State is. I did lay four early in the week, but again, guys, numbers matter. So would I have laid six if it opened up at that point? Probably not, but I'll still lean with the Aztecs there just because of the matchup edge. By the way, UNLV won two games, and uh, Utah State was one of them. I thought they could have won. I thought Utah State was like the third worst fourth worst team that UNLV played all year long and Charles Williams had 220 yards against Utah State so that's why I hesitate even though uh, San Diego State plays ugly they might be able to shut down Utah State all right the two big games I I hate these games so much because I want the dogs they just seem too obvious and I have a feeling that at best I'm going to split or maybe I I lose out are these going to be blowouts first of all Big Ten Michigan has to get up I mean they've got everything in front of them though they should be up for the game even after the Ohio State game it's ten and a half against Iowa. Should be up, but are you kidding me? I mean, did anybody watch that the, the, the end game of that Ohio State? I mean, that was not not you know celebrating the, your your best win of the season. That was like letting ten years of frustration out all at once. I don't expect Michigan's A plus effort. And if you're not locked in, Iowa's a team that can turn you over, make it a very ugly type of game. I'll take the double digits with Iowa here. And then Georgia, Alabama. Here we go. Alabama's never in the spot. What is it, like 158 straight games as a favorite? Uh, Georgia is laying six and a half. So uh, give me all the news and notes on this one because I want to take Bama. You know, I do too. And, and again, numbers, not teams. Uh, I did let Circa open this up a couple weeks ago, uh, like 16 days ago. Georgia three. So I did bet Georgia at that point. But at the current line, I would lean Alabama. Because I'll tell you why. I'm almost getting a full touchdown. In my opinion, Alabama's still got the better head coach. And I know Alabama's got the better quarterback. So, And I got an Alabama team catching their largest underdog role since the 2008 SEC championship game uh, when, when Tim Tebow was still playing quarterback for Florida. So because of that, I'm going to lean with Alabama. It's not a big bet because I do really worry about Alabama's offensive line against that Georgia defensive front. Brad Powers up on Twitter at Brad, uh, Brad Powers. Seven. It's bradpowersports.com. Are you excited that they announced a 42nd bowl game today in Texas? Date unknown, place unknown, time unknown. They just wanted to make sure all the bowl eligible teams got in. So we got 42 bowl games now. I am very pleased. I'm probably the, I love bowl games probably as much as anybody in the country. So the more they're, they're great, bowl they're games, great the more because, opportunities yeah. to bet. I, I, bowl games are, are positive EV for me because I think I can evaluate who's going to be motivated or not. I can evaluate, you know, strength of schedule disparities. I, you know, I, I love handicapping them. I love betting them. So I wish there was 140 bowl games. And by, by the way, when people say, like, who cares? Why do we need more bowl games? Betters like these bowl games because if you really do your homework, 
you can find out who's motivated, who's not. And then the other thing to take into account is the transfer portal. There's going to be a lot of kids bailing on their program if they're not in a position. I mean, we're seeing quarterbacks all over the place. Like, you know, a good example, I was tweeting today about Adrian Martinez. I have no idea what he's going to do. I don't know if a power five is going to offer him. Uh, He, to me, would seem to be a match once Fresno State is set moving forward without DeBoer to go back home. Um, You know, there's a lot of situations where you're going to have guys going to the NFL and guys going to the transfer portal. And so if you do your homework, you're going to find out who may be a little bit hamstrung going into these games. Yeah. And look, in the past five, 10 years ago, I mean, you can handicap questionable motivation. Ah, A team won't be quite up for it. Now, if a team isn't quite up for it, what happens? They're transferring uh, in the portal. They're leaving early for the NFL draft. Obviously got interim coaches. So I think those perceived advantages have only gotten better here in the last couple of years as far as bowl handicapping. And, And if I remember correctly, Brad, and this is before all these numbers come out, one of your big pieces of advice is on on dogs, right? Um, I mean, you certainly want to entertain taking the points, but there are a lot of times when the dogs just win outright. You don't even need the points. Yeah, so because you you have bowl games are higher variance because of questionable motivational differences. So if you're going to bet underdogs, sprinkle a little bit, reserve a little bit on the money line because almost every year you'll see it. If the favorite favorite wins, it likely covers. Uh, if the underdog covers, it likely wins outright. So keep that in your back pocket. Brad, how's that new screen I saw up on Twitter? How's your cat doing with it? He's doing all right. I locked him out uh, of the room so he wouldn't uh, affect this radio spot. So, yeah, it, it, it's surviving. One bought, quick thing, because we didn't get to the game. Yeah, yeah. Pittsburgh's my favorite best bet. We didn't get to the oh, okay, ACC championship game. Late Why three with the Panthers. Bet? Why is it your best bet? Well, I mean, to me, matchup edge uh, here for, for Pitt. I mean, you look at Wake Forest when they got blown out by Clemson. I mean, Clemson got to Sam Hartman seven times. You know who's a better sacking team than Clemson? Pittsburgh. I think they'll get after Sam Hartman. And Pittsburgh, just statistically speaking, far superior team on the defense side of the ball. Give me Pitt. Brad, you're awesome. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. Take care. There he is, Brad Powers. Silver Sevens, we're here until halftime giving away prizes. Better than that, come down, have a drink with us. 77 cents on beers, shots, hot dogs, cowboys, saints. Come down and bet at the William Hill book. Flamingo in paradise, silver sevens.